Welcome to the Green Man Podcast. Grandal at Podcast at Dean Gwerth. This is the Green Man Podcast. You're listening to the Green Man Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Green Man Podcast 2023. Green Man is absolutely banging this year, and we're having a fantastic time. I'm here as a, a writer and matcher of beers and ciders and bands, and I am absolutely thrilled to be here with the winners of this year's Green Man Rising competition, the Eve Appleton Band. Hello, Eve Appleton Band. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. How are you guys? Yes, great. You've just won the competition to be the best band coming up at Green Man and you've played at Green Man. How does that feel? Incredible. Wonderful. Yeah, a long time coming. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's introduce you. So you are Eve. I am Eve, yes. Hello. Hello. And what do you do in the band? I am lead singer, songwriter and rhythm guitarist. Excellent. That sounds like a great combination. I'm Ben and I'm the lead guitarist. Um, yeah, and I just make some noises. <laughs> From a stringed instrument. <laughs> Making noises from stringed instruments is a fine pastime, one of my favourite things in the entire world. It's what I get up in the morning to listen to. Uh, do you describe yourselves in a particular kind of genre? Uh, it's been tricky because it's been the band's evolved quite a bit, but we say alt folk. So where, where did you start? Did you start as kind of traditional folk or...? Because uh, I started out solo and it was a lot more singer-songwriter acoustic. Yeah. Very folk-influenced, but I wouldn't say it's traditional folk. And then it just evolved to... So where have band. you evolved to now? A bit more Americana, 60s yeah. folk revival. Neo-folk. Yeah. Just a lot... What's that? Neo-folk. Neo-folk, yeah. <laughs> Neo-folk. All of them. So we have the band's manager here as well. Hi. Introduce yourself. My name's Jono. I'm the band manager and... Moral support yeah. therapist, I guess. Oh, right. Good friend. That That's sounds like one. a good description yeah. of manager's job. Yeah. So how long have you been playing together? As this band, only about four months, Four really. months? Because uh, I started off when I was 16, and then when we all met at university and Ben joined the band and Anna, our keyboardist and dual vocalist, joined, and then... Jojo, our bassist, and then we got our two new members only about four months ago. Yeah. Have you been coming to Green Man before? Yeah, I've been coming since the second year it started, so at Basketball Hall. Wow. It's been my dream my whole life to play here. So, it's so how old were you when you first came to Green Man? Four. You were four when you first yeah. came to Green Man, and today you played the main stage. Yeah. Yeah. I know, my, whole, my put, whole family was down the front crying. Can you put and that was, in 20 words? No, not really. I, I keep <laughs> trying to, and I keep going, ah! <laughs> it's, it's insane. I was holding back tears, performing, and seeing my whole family at the front was was really special. Yeah. So was the gig all right? Yeah, it was actually <laughs> it went really well. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of good feedback. So, uh, so I couldn't make your gig today because I was pairing beers with yes. bands, which I've done <laughs> for, for quite a while. Uh, I haven't heard your music yet, but I'm really keen to hear it. And I'm looking at you with your face makeup on and your traditional dress and uh, ferns in your hair, and it looks all fantastic. Um, I would be looking probably to match you guys with cider more than beer as a kind of going in point. I thought this might happen. Uh, we, yeah. have, we have discussed it yeah. by me. <laughs> Um, but the the thing I love about cider is, and it, it, 
I don't know, there's a way in which you can see like a cliche, because when you go way back into the day, there's this cliched, very trad folk and very trad cider, scrumpy mm. thing, and it's all a bit kind of, let's laugh at it a little bit. But but when I was writing about cider, I find that like the, the, the rhythms and roots of the countryside, the, these old rhythms that we lose when you move to cities and, and that kind of thing, getting back in touch with the cycle of the seasons, mm. there's something very, very grounding about that. The, the, the more we move to um, kind of iPhones and, and virtual life and social media the more that kind of solid feet on the ground thing mm. seems to matter more is, is that kind of influence your sort of music at all in terms of going back into trad folk yeah I think because I grew up in West Dorset and when I first started writing songs it was all inspired by growing up in a rural seaside town and the roots of being in a small community-based area and and do, do, do you feel a need to kind of sort of speak up for local traditions and the points of difference and things like that? I think so, and it's also the feeling of pride from being from certain places and wanting that to be a part of what I'm writing about because it's, you know, it's influenced me, it's been a massive part of my life and it's why I'm here now. Yeah. Really. So, so, so what are your main concerns lyrically? It's very story-based and yeah. I'm just m making up stories that have a lot of um, influence from a lot of religious texts. There's quite a lot of religious references um, and old parables, and how that is contextualised in modern life and just in mm. daily interactions and storytelling, and the idea of mythology and how story has been yes. carried on for annals, just years and years and years. And we retell stories. We pass them on they get changed and they mean new things in new places and to new people and that's mostly what I'm writing about at the moment with yeah. own my own stories and characters that are coming in and out so I, I don't want to try too hard to nudge you away from hazy pale L's to cider but <laughs> um, but I, I wrote a book a few years ago called the apple orchard and that was very much about this and um, there's the kind of there's the kind of biology of what it's like to grow apples now and what we know about rootstock and grafting stock and fertiliser and soil type and very kind of specific stuff. And then there's the mythological side and the apple in uh, the creation myth. And it totally wasn't an apple in the Garden of Eden. It couldn't possibly have been an apple in the Garden of Eden, but there's reasons why we think it was. Uh, and the apples in fairy tales, in Snow White, in, uh, in, in Greek myth and that kind of thing. And and when you look at a humble apple, it weaves this line between this sort of mythical uh, world and the real world. And even when you think you're writing about the real world, you end up coming up against, bumping up against the the mythical world. Mm. And and there is that kind of need for magic, even if it's even if you're kind of like a very kind of rationalist, humanist person that kind of that, that sort of the role for magic and myth has a role to play doesn't absolutely. it absolutely and it's it has for years and years it's what where story came from and we still tell ourselves stories every day in our everyday yeah. life so is there anything about that that you feel is rooted particularly in in, in your part of the world uh i not particular i guess not specifically in my life but i keep returning back to um like archetypes and semiology within my writing um, like the idea of the circle and I guess that comes back with like the snake eats his own tail the apple the and the womb tomb like all this, this yes. circle image um, and this idea of life and death and this 
perpetual yeah. cycle that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> that primarily. <laughs> well, congratulations again. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you for talking and, to us. Uh, you've played, you've done your kind of live stream, and you've got the rest of the festival now to just yes. enjoy and Enjoying. be part of. Let's go and see some bands. So some of you are still uh, waiting for your beers. We'll get round to you as quick as we can. On to my first match today. I'm really, really happy to be doing this. We've got Holiday Bag Confidence Man. Absolutely wonderful tune. It's really weird. This, the, my, my set t today, this year, is full of absolute bangers, which is really strange because I'm not an absolute bangers kind of bloke. I'm, I'm more and more miserablest and indie, but it just feels like this year we need a bit of a bit of energy and a bit of dancing. And this is just absolutely wonderful track. Just makes me want to be on a beach uh, right now. So let's see if we can make the sun come out when, when it comes on. Really interesting Australian band. It's a combining kind of uh, modern sort of dance with sort of 90s rave techno di disco. It's just, uh, just really blew me away. And I'm pairing this with probably the best beer at the festival. There's a lot of people not gonna, gonna oh God, one of the brewers of the other beers is in the, at the back of the room, he's gonna kill me. Um, but uh, but um, uh, Afghan Pale Ale by, uh, by Grey Trees Brewery, they can't make this beer quick enough. It's just absolutely flies off the shelves. I went to the website yesterday, it's out of stock again. Uh, so it's, it's gonna fly, uh, it's, it's gonna disappear. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's another American style pale ale. It's got big kind of citrusy hops in it. It's quite, quite pale. Actually, not as pale as it could be. Uh, so there's some nice bittering. There's some Maris Otter malt at the back, which gives it this backbone. If you imagine the sort of biscuity malt as kind of the rhythm section of this beer, uh, and then the fruity, juicy hops as the kind of lead guitar. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautifully imbalanced beer, unlike a lot of pale ales today, uh, which are just all about the hops. And so this, for me, is, is kind of it's a summary match it's about those fruity top notes in the beer uh, pairing with the euphoria of of the music basically i think there's some sweetness in the music and some sweetness in the beer and i'll talk a lot about i'm not just making that up i'll talk a lot more about those principles uh, a little bit later anyone still waiting a few there at the back we'll get to you while the music's on it's about four minutes long so it's got a very long intro so we'll get to you while the intro's going that's good isn't it I'm not even going to try and sell you on that. I thought that was just a perfect match. If you didn't, you're wrong. Um, why, though? Uh, why and how does this work? Why am I, why am I doing this? Uh, what are some of the principles underneath it? There's a lot of common sense. There's a lot of intuition. And then there is this kind of neuroscience aspect to it. But some of it's very, very simple. Start with the simple stuff. If you make playlists uh, back in the day when you made mixtapes, uh, you didn't... Put, you don't put the same music on your gym playlist uh, as on your dinner party playlist. You know, when you go on holiday, you spend a week or a fortnight drinking the local beer, and while you're there, you're going, this beer's gorgeous, this beer's fantastic, in fact, it's so good, I'm going to bring a couple of cans home with me in my suitcase. And you get them home, and you open them at home on a day like this, and you're like, fuck it, what the and, and I think we beat ourselves up when we do that. We somehow think we must have been tricked or something. And we weren't. It's just that that beer works when you're on Gran Canaria or Tenerife. It's, it's, it's right for the environment. It's right for the heat. It's right for the light. It just works there. And I realised a couple of years ago that music does exactly the same thing. Now, there's something quite unusual. Uh, I'm going to go do, do a bit more of the beer stuff uh, this year than I have before. And just by chance... I'm, I'm getting a bit bored of the modern craft beer movement uh, and the endless march of hazy, juicy pale ales. It's very one-dimensional. And 
Greenman's a little bit different. Uh, in Wales, you can't get the hazy, juicy pale ales, but there's, there's a lot more traditional beer styles. And so the other three beers I've got today are traditional old British beer styles. And they'll happen to be slightly darker beers. And I want to say, don't be afraid of the dark. People look at dark beers and go, oh, I'm not going to like that. That's going to be a bit too much for me. That's going to be a bit too complex. It's going to be a bit too heavy. And that's a shame because uh, dark beers have wonderful, wonderful uh, aspects to them. Um, we're banging on a lot about hops in beer at the moment. And hops are amazing because hops can give you all these flavours. They can be gooseberry, they can be kiwi, they can be grassy, straw, uh, big, rich fruit. At the moment, craft beer is all about the tropical fruits. Uh, and that's why I said it's getting a bit one-dimensional. Uh, but malt is the basics of beer. Malt is the grain that gives us the sugar that ferments into alcohol. And no one talks about malt anymore. And malt can be light and toasty, like a digestive biscuit, or like coffee beans, it can be roasted a bit further and give you more complex and interesting flavours. So malt flavours, again, can be biscuity, can be nutty, chocolate, coffee, uh, caramel, lots of caramel, lots of dried fruit, lots of red berry fruit. And so that's where we're going to be playing today. Uh, in, the, in those kind of fruits, those kind of flavours. And it's interesting for those of you with paper cups because you won't be able to see the colour of the beer. And I wonder if you're, if you're a bit averse to dark beers, if you can't see what colour it is, I wonder what that's going to do to your perception of the flavour. So have a little think about that when you're drinking as well. Um, what we're going to be doing here is, is talking about the way that music, musical pitch and flavour work together. It seems a bit random and there's no explanation for this. But I've done this a few times. If I say, if I ask you, is lemon high-pitched or low-pitched? It's high-pitched. Whereas chocolate? Why? You all said exactly the same thing. Why? You know, flavours have different sonic pitches. And when we rank them in experiments, you can see that smoky, musky, dark chocolate are kind of low-pitched flavours. Whereas citrus, lemon, lime, apple, that kind of thing, are high-pitched flavours. So if I play you, if I've got these dark beers with lots of these kind of low-pitched, uh, malty, chocolatey, uh, coffee, licorice notes to them, they're going to sound better with uh, music that plays in a low pitch, with instruments that, you know, like bass, groove, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. So that's why I've paired the next beer with Horace Andy uh, and his take uh, on Massive Attack's Safe From Harm. Of course, he collaborated a lot with Massive Attack, but not on this song. And here, together with the uh, On You sound system, they've done something that I thought was impossible. They've done Massive Attack better than Massive Attack, which is extraordinary. Is anyone still waiting for a beer? Just keep your cups up. So I'm pairing uh, Horace Andy with Monty's Mild, which is the other best beer here at the festival. Uh, cheers, Russ. Mild, mild is like the... Mild is, oh, I was going to say Cliff Richard, that's not right. Um, who, who's, who, who's a band that's terminally unfashionable, even though they're really good? Uh, one of those. But, but Mild is like that. Like states, no, not status quo. No, like, like, like big country. Big country are an amazing band. And when you say you're a big country fan, people laugh at you. I'm a big country fan. And, and Mild is the same. There was a brief thing in Craft Beer a couple of years ago where everyone pretended to like Mild, Dark Mild again. Um, and then there were, after about six months of lots of craft brewers uh, brewing dark milds, someone tweeted, are we allowed to say that we don't really like dark mild yet? And I don't understand why. It, it's, a, it's a beer of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, it was a really, really popular around the Midlands. It's about 3.5%. And this is a beer that people would drink when they came out of foundries, factories, especially around the Midlands, glass-blowing factories, where you'd lose 
your entire body weight in liquid on a, on a shift. And people would come out, and this is a beer that's designed for you to be able to drink 10 pints of it straight down and not be pissed at the end. Uh, and it's a category that's getting a lot of uh, reinvention at the moment, reinvigoration. There's a new, new licensing laws that came in on the 1st of August, give, give a tax break to beers of below 3.5%. So expect to see more beers in this kind of mid-range strength thing. And the great thing about a good mild is that even though it's really low in alcohol, um, the malt character gives it real body and flavour. So uh, look for kind of coffee, chicory. If you everyone was old enough to remember camp coffee that used to come in that little uh, jar, uh, you get a lot of those kind of notes in a, in a good mild. So with Horace Andy and, and the on you sound system, uh, we've got a lot of those kind of low pitched, real. I mean, this is it's all about the bass. And so I'm thinking that it's kind of chocolatey, bitter coffee notes uh, going really well uh, with, with this absolutely uh, kick-ass uh, bass line. So uh, do keep your cups up if you're not yet been served and we'll, uh, we'll get it out while the song's on. He's still rocking it. Absolutely incredible. Horace is playing the main stage, the mountain stage, at 7.15 on Sunday, I think it is. Oh, 7.45. But uh, make sure you're there and make sure you've got a pint of Monty's Mild with you while you're there. Music and beer go together in so many different ways. They just seem like made for each other. And I'm not the only person who thinks that. These are some cans of signature brew. These are guys who used to work in the music industry who got sick of the crap beer they got at gigs all the time. So they set up a brewery. Uh, to, to, to create good beer for gigs. Uh, and they have worked with countless artists uh, to co-create beers as well and done a huge amount to support the music industry, especially during lockdown. But these observations about the similarities between beer and music, just keep going as much as you want. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about how the sensors interfere and interact with each other. And I want to prove that to you now, uh, just by talking about, instead of kind of flavour and, and sound for a bit, sound and vision about how they interact. By changing visuals, you can change the way uh, something sounds. Uh, and this has been put to good use in restaurants. If you serve food on a round red plate, it will taste sweeter. If you serve it on a black square piece of slate, it will taste more bitter. Uh, visuals interact with our taste buds and sound all the time. My third match uh, is, I'm delighted to say, Valenvol Nut Brown Ale with self-esteem. Wow. Wow. A little point of trivia here is that Valenvol have now put their beers in cans. Uh, local brewery, they were actually the first brewery in the UK ever to use cans. These are Valenvol cans from 1933, the first ever attempts to, uh, to, to put beer in cans. So they're delighted now to be back. We were the first people to put craft beer in cans, and they're making a big deal of that, and so they should. Uh, another slight thing here is that uh, self-esteem, Rebecca Lucy Taylor uh, is from Sheffield, which is just... She, you know, she'd been around the Sheffield music scene for years and she'd done a lot of gigs in working men's clubs uh, in South Yorkshire. And I'd done uh, a gig on the same stage that one of, this was one of the first gigs that she played at Self Esteem, which I was really kind of thrilled by. Uh, and that's why it's commercial break time. Uh, and this is all in my new book, Clubland, uh, which is... <laughs> which I think she would enjoy reading if she ever got a copy, because it's, it's, it's very much kind of our common, our common heritage and our, our, our common history. I mean, one reason for pairing self-esteem with Nut Brown Ale is that it's a proper northern Yorkshire bitter style. 
Um, this is the stuff that, that people are drinking when they're going to gigs in the places where she, where she came up through. Um, the other thing is that, you know, although this is another dark beer, it's a very different flavour from the first dark beer we had. This is much more about those red berry fruits. It's got some sweetness to it. And there's sweetness in self-esteem's music. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking here for how, how this is going to pair with the, how the... It's particular the harmonies in this song are pairing with the kind of sweeter notes in this beer. So she's on headlining the main stage tomorrow night, uh, quarter past 11. The bars will still be open, you know what to do. So we're going to bring our final beer out now. Uh, so empty your glasses and hold them in the air. So I'd just like to give you a little bit on how perception of flavour and everything else depends on your previous experience. This is a uh, beer called Malmström. Uh, it's an English-style barley wine brewed by a Dutch collective uh, using American hops. So it's a real mishmash of styles. It's a big, powerful beer. It's 8.5%. And this is a bottle that my wife Liz and I uh, had in Amsterdam years ago, about 2006. And we, we poured it from the bottle into two different glasses. Both raised the glasses and sniffed. Uh, and Liz went, that's like Palmer Violets. And I went, that's like walking through a pine forest. Now, pine forest and palmer violets are nothing whatsoever alike. So how do we get such different uh, results from the same beer? It's, are you ready, guys? Uh, it's what neuroscientists like to call uh, the Estevez conundrum. <laughs> whereby Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen look absolutely nothing like each other, but both look exactly like their dad. So, so that's kind of what was happening here. Now, you could, of course, say that this is because I'm a beer expert and my wife Liz knows absolutely nothing about beer, um, which sounds rude. Uh, get away with it, because it's actually, when you look at the neuroscience of what was happening, it's true. Um, because what had happened is I'd just done, for the first time, sensory beer training. I'd, I'd, been, I'd had my palate and my brain trained in what to expect in beer. I said pine forests because I knew that American hops uh, had piney, uh, resiny smells to them. So the part of my brain that deals with recently acquired knowledge was firing up, and that's where that came from. Liz hadn't had that sensory training, so what her brain was doing was taking massive leaps to deep, suppressed childhood memories. Not suppressed, but, you know, to kind of... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing dodgy about palmer violets in my wife's past. <laughs> the next beer's going to get thrown over me. Um, but, um, but, but she was jumping to deep-rooted associations, you know, like Proust and his Madeline and stuff like that. And there was something in that beer that really registered with her flavour memories, long-buried flavour memories from her childhood. So we were both right, but we're both using different parts of our brain to get to that uh, conclusion. And neuroscience in its modern sense is, 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 is a very new discipline. But when you see people wearing those kind of swimming hats with loads of wires coming out of them, uh, what they're doing is they're measuring the temperature in different parts of your brain. And we now know that different parts of the brain deal with different bits. And uh, when you're using a certain part of your brain, more blood flows to that part of the brain and it becomes hotter. So these are heat maps of the brain. And the top one is uh, a jazz pianist playing scales. And the bottom one is the same pianist playing improv. And you can see that the brain maps are quite different because learned scales versus improv. And this is kind of what you would have seen if Liz and I were wearing those, those scanners when we were drinking that beer. Um, and the great thing about this is that if this research carries on and there's more progress made in understanding how the brain works like this, then we could be quite close to a cure for jazz. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just can't miss that one out. That's the 12th time I've done that joke, agree, man. Our final match is uh, Young Fathers, 
uh, with Lucky 7 Onyx Porter. Another dark beer. This beer is dark, it's luscious, uh, it's got layers, uh, it's got real bass. Going back to that chat about bitterness and bass, it's, it's all about the bass. It's all about kind of ground coffee bitterness, and it's about the lush richness as well. Uh, so I'm going to play this because I'm starting to run out of time. Do keep your cups up if you, uh, if you haven't got a beer yet. Hopefully you get one by the end of the song. Headline of the Far Out stage on Sunday night, that's the Young Fathers. You know what to drink when you're listening to them. So that brings me to the end. I hope I've kind of shown that uh, different senses work together. I hope I've given you a great preview of some of the bands and some of the great beers here at Green Man. It is time for me to finish, and I just want to do one more really, really cheeky thing. Um, I'll play one last piece of music. My, my brother was in a band called The Last of England uh, about 30 years ago, and they were really good, uh, but they didn't pursue it, and they split up. And... Uh, this demo that they made uh, in 1990, I just thought was really, really exciting. Uh, Stuart, my brother, passed away in March at the age of 51. And I just realized that if, if he was still a musician and if he was here, this would be the biggest, best crowd he'd ever played to. So I'm going to leave the stage. Thank you so much for coming. This is uh, Last of England with my dead brother on bass, backing vocals and sound mixing. You don't have to do anything. Just listen to it. This is, this is Stuart. Cheers. <laughs> So hi guys, welcome to the Green Man Podcast. My name is Joshua. I am one half of Nature Nurture, the wellness area. We've been managing Nature Nurture for Green Man Festival for the last eight years. And uh, we've seen it grow right from the grassroots level. So the first year when Green Man wanted to explore this aspect of the festival. So we are a wellness area in this field. We can take a walk around and I can introduce you to different kind of uh, stalls around over here so you can have an idea of what is available in this space. So we have Julie's deep tissue massage. So Julie's been with us from the start. She, she does a lot of festivals and she's a really experienced uh, deep tissue massage therapist. Our henna stall over here. So again, they've been with us for years as well. And uh, just a great addition to our space temporary henna, a lot of uh, unique designs they have, then they paint it in your hands and it's something it's temporary so it's nice to decorate yourself for the festival, it's a, it's a nice way to kind of feel a bit more special and have some kind of artwork on your skin. Maybe walking ahead we can come to Bristol Fungarium, so these guys have been with us for the last couple of years and they have mushroom tinctures which you can use. So let's have a quick chat with Joey at Bristol Fungarium who's going to just explain to us about the stall and the benefits of mushrooms for our wellness. So we're basically we're an organic mushroom farm based just outside of Bristol in Barragurney. Uh, so we've been going for about six years, uh, growing organic mushrooms, we're registered organic with the Soil Association so we grow all our own mushrooms but um, quite unique to us is that we focus on growing local strains. Uh, so we head out to our local area find the mushrooms in the wild, culture them in our lab, and then that's what we grow at the farm. Um, 
We used to uh, mainly grow mushrooms for restaurants and markets, so we were focused on edible mushrooms. But for the last three years, we've been focusing on making medicinal tinctures. So we grow uh, six different types of mushrooms at the farm. And now all the mushrooms that we grow at the farm uh, get turned into medicinal uh, extracts, essentially. Uh, so we do uh, triple extraction, so two hot wa water extracts and an alcohol extract. And um, yeah, they're all used for various different things, kind of taking a nod from traditional Chinese herbal medicine. Um, all generally good for boosting your immune system, good for inflammation. Uh, but then all of the mushrooms also contain like novel compounds themselves. So for instance, lion's mane uh, contains some compounds called erinaceums. Uh, there's lots of research going on at the moment looking into um, how these compounds can potentially um, help treat uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. So good for short-term memory, helping clear brain, uh, brain fog and good for focus and that kind of thing. Um, reishi mushrooms, really good for inflammation, contain something called ganodermic acid which is really good for inflammation, so for stuff like arthritis, it's like an alternative to kind of uh, pharmaceutical painkillers, that kind of thing. Uh, but we've got lots of mushrooms on display. Uh, they're all quite freaky looking. Like um, one of the exciting things about growing mushrooms is that you never really know what you're gonna get. And quite often cultivating the mushrooms, they look quite different to how they would look in the wild. So um, you can see we've got lots of uh, reishi mushrooms on display and they all look quite different, but they're all essentially the same mushroom. So the cordyceps are a very unique mushroom, uh, so they're called an entomopathogenic fungus. So all the other mushrooms that we grow are wood decomposers, but uh, the cordyceps usually grow on insects. So you might have heard the term like zombie fungus. So in the UK, they'd usually um, infect butterfly and uh, moth larvae. Um, but we grow them on brown rice. But it's really good for energy. Uh, traditionally, they were used by Sherpas to fight hypoxia, altitude sickness. So really good at helping your blood carry around more oxygen. Um, I'm a long distance runner and that's the main mushroom that I use and I use it to help with stamina, fatigue, that kind of stuff. Nice. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Joey. No worries. Thanks a lot. So let's move ahead a little bit more and we have big yoga yurt. We have a, a series of yoga classes which you can try. Just a different variety of yoga classes. We have a more classical style of yoga, a restorative class, even hip-hop yoga. So you have a mixture of hip-hop, well, yoga moves, but a bit more energetic, a more dancey, a bit more flowing to hip-hop tunes and kind of... Um, mixing it up with dance moves as well as some classical posture so it's a vibrant energetic yoga class uh, just a great overall fun class to be and here we have uh, gong butts maybe we can have a little chat with colin to see uh, how the gongs influence uh, wellness and also colin has been with us since the beginning he's a veteran in the festival scene Okay, well, as you said, we've been here pretty much since the beginning, 2007 we go back to. We've been coming to visit this lovely spot in nature and the Welsh mountains. Yep, we run the Gong Bath space. So the Gong Bath, uh, one way we could pitch it is to say it's an invitation to enter that place of total rest. Um, we invite people to do that, to tap into a sense of well-being under all the noise of the mind and all the stuff of the world that we all carry on the surface. Um, so we play the gongs right up close to people, vibrates through all the cells, has um, a whole spectrum of effects on different people. Yes, 
yes, it's a very subjective experience, but yes, a lovely thing to experience at a festival as well when everyone's already that bit more relaxed. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Olive. All right, everybody. So thank you for joining us on the store around Nature Nurture. And uh, yeah, do drop in and check out what we have an offer for you. We have a variety of treatments, yoga classes, massages, tarot readings, a lot of shopping, and also some funky clothing to buy. Just a general uh, interesting place to come and explore. I'll see you again next year. Thank you guys, take care, bye bye.